silence, please. <laughs> Welcome to MIA, Mixed in America. I am your host, Damian Dorn, a.k.a. Mr. Green Bay. This is the show where you go to hear truth, facts, and experience from black to white, exposing the gray area behind the stereotypes of America. This episode, we talk about white mom, black dad, versus black mom, white dad, and the culture in the household. So for the listeners that are out there, this is episode number four. And uh, I'm excited to, for this episode for a couple reasons. Uh, my guest, my lady friend guest today, um, y'all are in for a treat. I'm going to give the distinct pleasure to my guest to um, kind of give a good introduction of herself. Um, you know, we have a unique tie in the community. Um, you being an educator, yes. you know, uh, me coming up as a volunteer in the education system, just doing my part. Mm-hmm. You gave me an opportunity to speak Man. in front of your class. Held it down. I, thank when I you. T- when I tell you that was one of the best guest speak guest uh, speaker presentations I've ever had. And I've had several guest speakers into my classroom. Oh, I'm flattered. And you touch the hearts of my students, That's honestly. Awesome. So well, I, I had to return mission, the love. Mission accomplished. And I'm yeah. glad you're here today. So I couldn't think of anybody better, to be honest with you, when I was like, okay, white mom, black dad, mm-hmm. black mom, white dad. Who am I going to get to talk on this show with me? And I was like, you know what? She's an educator. Mm-hmm. She's a black woman. Ow. She's married or was married to a white man. Mm-hmm. Whatever. We'll talk about that situation if you want to. But was raised, from what I understand, a little differently what, than what most people would expect or imagine. Yes. So please, uh, without further ado, Liz, please <laughs> tell the people who you are. And um, I'm so happy to have you. So please Thank tell you. us a little bit about I'm, yourself. I'm so happy to be here, honestly. This is a, a very new experience for me, but a very humbling experience just in the fact that you asked me to be here to represent something that matters so much to you. So um, my name, for those who don't know, I'm Liz Simon. I am an educator here in the Green Bay Area Public School District. I've been teaching for seven years, um, over 15 years experience Mm. as an event planner Mm. in Las Vegas, Nevada, and kind of switched things up, decided that children where the future children mm-hmm. would be my focus and um, graduated from UNLV in Las Vegas, came Uh-oh. here to UWGB and got a different bachelor's degree. Wow, so a different a bachelor. different because hospitality management So you was, had a bachelor yes. and then came back and got another bachelor. A completely different Whew. one. Came to NWTC, so I'm here in my old stomping grounds and it feels really good. But um, as you mentioned, um, longtime relationship with a white man, being mm-hmm. that I grew up not just African American, mm-hmm. didn't really understand the depth of the black experience until I became an adult because I'm wow. the first person in my family born in America from Nigeria, Africa. Hello. Ow. Hello. Okay. Okay. Wait. So, so I had a very African experience. Wow. And growing up in Las Vegas, sure. in the suburbs, um, the family that I knew were white missionaries. Um, 
I had to discover my blackness in a very unique way. It wasn't bred in me from history. Wow. I didn't have generations of grandparents or aunties and things like that. Hymns or songs. I had no idea. Right. Had no idea. So I learned black history in school. And we. (laughs) Okay, we'll continue. (laughs) So you grew up. Yes. First generation. Yes. Black woman mm-hmm. in America. In America. And now we're in 2022. So we're talking within the last 20 years. Mm-hmm. I'll say 25, just, just to be on the fair side. You've had 25 years in these last 25 years of learning what a black woman was. Yeah. The experience. And, and, the, and not only what a black woman was or how a black woman was treated, but what you Mm-hmm. Wanted to be as a black woman. Absolutely, you had to learn that too. Yeah, because you had because you. Well, I, well yeah, we yeah, yeah. we grow, we learn, <laughs> and we grow, right? But you didn't have any examples. None, because my mother, the women that I knew growing up, were my mother, who is a very devout Nigerian Christian first lady. You know, okay. we were very um, and in, and in, into the church, and that was my culture. The church culture came before racial culture. So I identified in Nigeria here. I oh. mean, being that that's where the church started, but sure. as a young person, okay, my initial identity got you. was a Christian. So that in itself, just that, that, that was the first cloak the, you wore. Exactly. Exactly. And I didn't know I was black wow. until I wasn't black enough for the black people. And I wasn't obviously white enough for the white people, my neighbors who I grew up with. So in that, having to find my own identity, just being me. And I, right. I, I was a chameleon. I jumped around trying mm-hmm. to just find love. That's all sure. it really came down to. Acceptance, Acceptance love, appreciation, love, all of camaraderie. That. Absolutely. And, and, and in finding myself and finding knowledge and understanding mm-hmm. certain histories and <laughs> the truth of certain histories and where and where some of this animosity maybe was stemming from right. or some of the misrepresentations and why people treated me differently. And I'm, I'm cause it didn't make sense. It to didn't you. make sense to me because it, you weren't raised that way. You were raised Christian. So if, I mean, for those that know, no, but for those that don't, maybe this might be the first light that you hear about Christianity. But for the most part, love is agape, right? Agape. It's, it's everything. Yeah. That's the cornerstone, right? So regardless of skin tone, regardless of uh, financial situation or educational mm-hmm. situation, Love first. Absolutely. Thyself and thy neighbor. Yeah. Right. And love thy neighbor better than thyself sometimes. Mm-hmm. Right. So growing up. Wow. That's that's a, un, that's a lot to unload right here. So growing up. Black woman. When did you move? I moved to moved to Green Bay. To United States. I was born here. So I'm you the were born. One, okay. First one in my family born, born in the States. Here. So I have four older brothers. Gotcha. All four of them were born my dad came to the States 1981. My mom came shortly after. Okay. My brothers came shortly. So they, they came in waves. Wow. They right. came in waves. So part of my history was always having an appreciation. Like, do you understand what we had to do to Where get here? Where we're at, right. We didn't come here on slave ships. That's, we that's came huge here on a plane. Too. And we came here for a specific reason, a specific it's opportunity. Better. And you better not disrespect our name. Right. Because when the history books are written back there, we're the pioneers. Wow. We're the first ones. So, that had to be awesome, kind of growing up. Yeah, 
I, I mean, I didn't appreciate it then sure. because I just wanted to be like everyone else. Sure. I wanted to see what they're doing. Yeah. And yeah. you wanted to do it. I mean, it's the American culture, Absolutely. right? Absolutely. Freedom. Yes. Um, rebellion. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we'll talk about we'll talk about some of those in future podcasts as well. <laughs> um, I, I'm fascinated that you were first generation born in United States, mm-hmm. raised by a white woman. No, grandmother. My, my grandmother. She was the missionary who helped my family come to America. So my, okay. my parents had a church back home in Nigeria and okay. they would come to America on visas for missionary work to preach. They would have sure. big, cer- not ceremonies. What's the word I'm looking for? Revivals. Sure. They would have revivals. And just like the missionaries would travel the world, they would come here on visas. But this particular situation called for my, my dad had an opportunity to come here, go to school and live and um, Pastor Birdie McCoy is her name. She was the missionary that put in Birdie. for the uh, Birdie. She was a beast. If you get into Las Birdie. Vegas history, Birdie and sounds like somebody you don't <laughs> want to mess with. She was cold. She was a cold piece. But I mean, she was a woman in a time where women ministers weren't respected. You, mm, you see women ministers right. now, and it's it's very equal opportunity. But mm-hmm. in this time, seventies, eighties, you're mm-hmm. even in the Bible, they would relate women ministers as you're not even supposed to be leading a church. Well, just 20, 30 years prior to that, Billy Graham was mm -hmm. preaching in a time where it wasn't accepted because he was preaching to black folks, poor folks, white folks, didn't matter. So yeah, yeah, a couple, couple decades later, I mean, a woman preacher. Yeah. Brought my, brought a whole black family from Africa to America on her back. Mm. But so that's a whole lot of appreciation. I do have you an appreciation. You grew up with an appreciation for white folks. Absolutely. So there was no. So when did the when did you learn that things were not so cut and dry like you very were grown? Early, very early. Um, middle school. Ooh. When, so seventh eighth. Yeah, about seventh eighth grade. Um, there was some definite definite teasing and hazing, which everyone experiences in mm-hmm. elementary school, but it wasn't real to me until middle school when it when it felt like my own people like Mm. my the black girls did not like me my hair wasn't i remember the little butterfly clips were Mm -hmm. popping back Mm -hmm. in the day like Mm -hmm. girls with black girls would get their little twist Mm -hmm. little press with the flip curl on the end Mm -hmm. and have the butterfly clips i wanted i thought it was beautiful i didn't have an auntie i didn't have a anyone to teach me how to do my hair Mm. so here i am i used to struggle the struggle Used to get the little just for me kits, perm, messing up my own hair just because. Just I, to figure it out. Just to figure it out. So that when you talk about learning out. your blackness, learn you my blackness literally myself. had to learn. My mother cut my hair, shaved my head bald in kindergarten because mm. she didn't know how to do my hair. In fact, I remember she, a didn't very want, specific, she didn't want you embarrassed, and she didn't want to be embarrassed. First grade teacher called home, just like a little headset, like what we're wearing right now. Mm-hmm. My mom, there was a very distinct African hairstyle that they would do with thread. It's beautiful when I see it now queens it's a whole crown Mm -hmm. but in first grade i will never forget this they used to run around calling me medusa because it looked Mm. like snakes coming out of my head and i remember my first grade teacher calling home telling my mom please don't do her hair like this anymore because her hair keeps getting trapped in the headphones in the Mm. reading stations (laughs) or one time we had just just creative racism that i Mm -hmm. never even identified as I was being separated at a young mm-hmm. age because I didn't I didn't understand that how how, how people cannot we? have that love in their heart. Right. 
first grade. I remember we wow. had a storybook time. Everyone was told to bring a white stuffed animal because we were reading about polar bears. And I brought my little polar bear in to hold with me during story time. And she told me I, I had to put it back in my backpack because polar bears had a certain color nose. I couldn't re- remember if my polar bear had a red nose or a black nose, but the nose was the incorrect color. Mm. And I couldn't hold my polar bear during story time like everyone. And I'm, I'm looking That's back confusing. at that now like... It's a I'm white still bear. Confused. I'm a teacher now. Right. I don't understand how a grown adult could look at a child five, right. six, seven, and ex- expect them to understand. I don't even. Know. But I. It wasn't until I was an adult till I recognized that as covert racism. Sure. If I could even say that, because you got it from coworkers. <sighs> Man, um, you know, students. Yeah. Um, you know, we get in mixed culture and I'm sure we can talk about this too, cause you have mixed children, but mm-hmm. in the mixed culture, it's like, what are you? Yeah. You know, like, or I'm sure you probably got this. Can I touch your hair? Mm-hmm. But I feel like as an African woman, it connected me with my biracial children in a way that I know what it felt like to not fit in mm-hmm. to kind of tie back to what mm-hmm. we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So there was an empathy there. Sure. Where my kids, which are now how old? Um, 13, 17 and 19. All my, all multiracial, all multiracial. Yes. So it wasn't easy for them. So, so let's, you know, so we will, before, before we shift gears, um, I love to tease the people. They're like, man, let's get talk about her kids. But I I, want to talk about a little bit about your upbringing still. So seventh, eighth grade, um, high school, Mm Mm-hmm. High school still in Vegas? Yes. Okay. So how was high school? You graduated, I'd say, 2000? Oh, for show. Oh, four? Okay. <laughs> 2004. So how, how was it in high school in 2000, 2004? See, um, at this time is when I discovered what I would consider to be my superpower. Okay. Where I grew up with parents that valued education Mm -hmm. so not having that history of oppression or certain language that wasn't spoke that that I never heard in my house you know only from tv only from music so in a way um was told you you speak very well for a black girl you know Mm. we hear that all the time and um it wasn't until high school that I used that as my superpower because at this point I had enough black friends or friends from different neighborhoods because I was very intertwined with the Mexican culture in Las mm-hmm. Vegas um, at that time. So if anything, that's who embraced me. That's where I identified so, so, was the Latino community. So, you, so that's interesting. <laughs> yes. So you really find, you really got your um, cultural boost, if you will, from your from Latino. And that's because it was the, it was the only culture that I was um, exposed to that was as similar to my African sure. culture. So you felt similarity? Absolutely. Gotcha. The language was different, but sure. the love, the appreciation, the, the respect, the, right. the, the the things that the fabric. The mama and papa mm-hmm. of it. It, it was the elders and absolutely. the youngsters you you seen we that. We understood each other. The un, we didn't dope. have to explain it. We just knew what and it see, was. And see, I felt like that with Native Americans mm. cuz I, you know, growing up in the Midwest, um I was always light skinned for black, but I was just dark enough to know that I wasn't all white, right? Yeah. Um, but when I learned Native American culture, I was like, this feels right. Mm-hmm. You know, um, feast, 
powwows, mm-hmm. you know, dancing, elders speaking to the youngsters. Um, was did you take that boost of culture and did you apply that then to your blackness I as did. you as you grew into I your did. woman? Absolutely. It it was it became an identity. It's still an identity. I always tease like I know I was Latino in another life, you right. know, because it's so ingrained in me to this day and it's almost sad to an extent because my parents wanting to give me the American experience, wanting to assimilate all their children into the American mm-hmm. experience so we didn't have to deal with the racism. They had to deal with their accents and mm-hmm. being that they're, um, at that time, immigrants. Mm-hmm. Um, they wanted us to learn English and learn it well. So I know more Spanish than I know my native tongue. Wow. And now as an adult and I see my kids, I'm like, man, like I wish I, wish I had more to offer so I can give them their true heritage, Mm -hmm. you know? So even in that, not feeling like I'm true to who I am. Well, that's interesting. So, I mean, let's talk about that true heritage then, um, you know, moving on high school, Mm -hmm. you know, you went to college, you said UNLV Mm -hmm. then UWGB, a little bit NWTC. Mm -hmm. Um, so now you, um, date a white man mm-hmm. and I actually met him in Las Vegas that's right. where we started um still in high school mm-hmm. when we met and I remember yeah yeah it was I was young I was young thinking like I mentioned before at that time and high he, school let, he's not the average white guy either like and mm-hmm. he's he, he's got some whiteness <laughs> But he's he was kind of cool. He was kind of cool for a white guy. Like growing up, he was kind of cool for a white guy. Like he had a biker dad. So yeah, he had a biker dad. So he had some street little. Yeah, he you didn't know. grow up in the suburbs. Right. So he had an edge to him. He right. Knew, he knew the struggle. He knew the struggle more than I knew the struggle. Did he appreciate you uh, and your white blackness and your black whiteness? At like, that at that age, I was very much into not necessarily following the rules my parents set for me. Mm-hmm. I became a rebel at that okay. point. Where, so and so he, that's where the attraction came. Yeah, yeah. Like I was mentioning before, my superpowers came in high school where mm-hmm. I realized I was intelligent and I was, but like I was um, student body vice president, you know, mm-hmm. homecoming queen. I was everything I was supposed to be in school. Mm-hmm. But, and I got away with a lot because the principals knew my family. They knew I came from a good family. Mm-hmm. So if I'm acting up or I'm fighting or, or I'm, something. I had almost protection at that point Mm -hmm. but then on the back end I knew who my friends were the people who I'm starting to grow up with and still trying to get that love and appreciation Mm -hmm. so I had to do certain things to get that acceptance um, that I didn't necessarily have to I was on a good path so by the time I met my husband he's he was a lot more rugged rugged than I was a lot more experienced Mm -hmm. and I felt like I had something to prove Mm. so it was more interesting I'm in high school doing what I need to do to graduate, but my boyfriend ain't in high school. I'm, I'm a rebel. I'm out here right. doing, you know what I right, mean? Right. I, I just wanted to do what I knew I shouldn't have been doing. Sure. So that's kind of where we connected. Mm-hmm. Not necessarily anything other. And then just me being open, not not having that blind eye. Yeah, there was no there bias. Was, there was no. no racial bias for you. I mean, you were practically, you know, Life was given to you and your family by this woman who just said, "Okay, black folks, come on, let me show you something mm-hmm. new." You know, and so they, they, my family made it do what it do right. because I, I sometimes I'm in awe. They had six children, mm. not from here, language barrier. My mom was never one day on welfare. Wow, they were never one day on any sort of support. They did 
everything they were supposed to on their own back, their work, their ethic, and they instilled that in us. So mm-hmm. it wasn't, they never had a handout. They they came out here on their own accord and they had the help. There's a whole different pride being an immigrant. Absolutely. Like, I, I'm, I'm really tuned with Gary V. Gary V talks about that. He's a second generation immigrant. Mm-hmm. His family's from Poland, I think. Okay. Uh, Chuck is his last name. Um, but he talks about you know, how he wanted to take his family name and put it on his back, so to speak, right? There's because a story. he, yeah, because there's a, you know, you know, you're the first generation American here. So, mm-hmm. you know, whatever goes now is coming from grandma, uh, the great grandma Liz, you yeah. know, like our American journey started here. So mm-hmm. this is what she did. So we got to do this. The bar has been set. Right. And so your family did that for you. Absolutely. So you rebelled. <laughs> so you rebelled, even though you had a pretty decent upbringing, I'm, I assume, you know, mm-hmm. it sounded like education was important. So yes. you school had to have been important. Extracurriculars mm-hmm. were probably important. You Absolutely. probably did you play sports and all that oh, good I, stuff? I did too? everything. I was I was more of a dancer. Okay. I love dancing. That was jazz, ballet. Oh, so um, the good hip-hop. stuff. I loved it. I was a performer. I loved to be on stage. And also during that time, my brother um, had the only, to this day, the only teen nightclub in Las Vegas. Because you you think Vegas, you're going to gamble. You're going to all of these other adult things. But there was a missing piece there for the kids. And he put it together. together. So growing up from maybe age 12 till I moved here, I was very involved with him in that business. So, so I was in So when you say event planning. Event planning came from there. I, mm-hmm. I, I did weddings for ten years in Las Vegas before I moved to Which I'm sure was probably very lucrative. Uh, I my mean first everybody day goes was to Vegas. Valentine's Day and NBC was recording a special, just Las Vegas weddings on, you know, Valentine's Day. And I remember the reporter telling me if you could handle a wedding, you know, just being working in this field on valentine's day in las vegas you can do this for life wow and i took that and i'm still still at events i love it i love it love it that's awesome so you meet your husband yes um how long before you have a child five about five years okay but he had two kids at the time right on um so i very quickly i like i said i graduated 2004 he had a son born 2002 and then the son that i raised since he was about nine months old he was born in 2004 as well so i became a mom fresh out of so high school. quick and that was my like i didn't realize my heart for children right. until i look back and reflect on all of that but yeah i became a mom fresh out of high school even though i didn't carry my mm-hmm. own child in 2000, until 2008 um very young that's admirable thank you that's admirable so then um you had a taste of motherhood you had a taste of um you know, the multicultural home, mm-hmm. um, you have your first child together yes. and then your second. I, we've, oh, we only have one. You together. only have one. Okay. Yeah. So you have one multiracial child together mm-hmm. and two multi, he loved black women. So <laughs> obviously <laughs> all uh, of his kids are, that's awesome. Biracial. That's awesome. With black queens. So, so what was it like? Cause I have a white mom at home. Mm-hmm. So, um, what was it like raising a multicultural child with a white man in a, in America mm. where there's obvious differences between a mixed man and a white man mm. and a mixed man and a black man in America? Like, yeah, there's a gauntlet of differences. Yeah. So um, from your perspective, first generation black woman in mm-hmm. America, 
Um, how did you, how, what stature, what stance did your household take? Do you- I was very much just being that the way I was raised in an African house, household, my, my father ruled the house with an iron fist. Mm-hmm. There was no real room for gray. Mm-hmm. It was, you do this or you're not doing it. If you're not doing it, you're not on track. So you, I mean, you're a disgrace. You, mm-hmm. you, you're not a part of our family. You, you either do it or you don't. Um, and I found myself now appreciating that firmness and how that, even though I rebelled later on in life, how I was still able to come back and understand who I was. Mm. Um, so that's how I wanted my kids, you know, very much a lover, nurturer, um, having fun. I'm an event planner. It's all about partying with sure. me, but I found sure myself, absolutely. We celebrate everything for no reason, just mm-hmm. major events. Just <laughs> you look at any of the parties that I've thrown, it's just excessive. And I want every party to feel like you're walking into Willy Wonka's chocolate factory. That's what makes you a party planner. I'm telling you, I love it. But also knowing how I chose a hard life, not that I had to deal with the hard life, but I chose it. Um, so wanting my kids to enjoy and have that freedom and the beauty of a beautiful life, but knowing the ugly side and life isn't all perfect. And if you don't put these things in order, it, it's going to be difficult. And you may not make it out because you're not built like everyone. You're not built like me. So I, I was always very much more stern. Mm. And that's because my that's husband, that's my roots. And my husband was very much from a laissez-faire. Let the kids be kids. Let mm-hmm. them. But there were certain things where it's like, nah, mm-hmm. you're supposed to like, you can't let kids do that. Or you need to. And see, that's the cultural difference. That's the cultural difference. And I needed that from him as a man, I guess, in my mindset. Right. I'm used to strong black men mm-hmm. who you don't you don't speak back to. Mm-hmm. You don't there was a fear instilled there. Never that wasn't ever that there were actual danger. Cons- no no danger. There were no true fear. It was no fear danger. out of respect. Fear, no danger. That part. Yes. Um, so it became very apparent early on that in like order. How early? Oh, um, Maybe around my son was around five, so my daughter. Okay, was, so pretty early. Yeah, yeah. My daughter was maybe around one when I realized in order for them to get this type of upbringing, I have to do it. Mm. I have to, and you know what I mean. And I was comfortable. It was one of those things where I felt comfortable doing it, almost because I knew if I did it, it'd be done right. So you, so you went from party planning to family mm-hmm. planning at the same in the same uh, token. Yeah. That's that, what got me into education. Honestly, I was comfortable as an event planner, but once I had my daughter, it was kind of that mindset of who's going to teach her. She's eventually going to go off to school and be there for eight hours a mm-hmm. day. What is, what is education? Right. What does that look like? So what let is me that? look into that. Got into it based off of that mentality. Wow. So, th- so then you said, okay, I'm going to create culture in my household. Yes. Yep. So here, so, and, and that to me, that's important because I grew up with a white mother who culture wasn't so important. Um, mm-hmm. You know, sh- there really was no way for her to teach me how to be a black man or a man mm-hmm. or a mixed man or anything of that nature. So um, culture in our household, yeah, there was cottage cheese with collard greens and, you know, I, I remember having ham and 
uh, turkey at the same meal. Um, you know, it, um, it was a little different growing up. I had no male figures to counter my mom's upbringing. Um, was there friction? When when did you realize raising raising children with culture and a one person not necessarily having that iron fist mm-hmm. that is needed? Did you realize there was friction or is it what you say, said goes? I wouldn't even say friction. It was just a difference for a lot of the time he was riding with me. Like he mm-hmm. because he he himself never experienced culture. Right. When so he I was say probably culture, fascinated. Fa- it was definitely a fascination and just family in general. So when you think about culture, family is part of that culture yeah. from what I understand. Family is a huge part. Like I, I don't do to this day, I don't make many decisions, life altering decisions without the support of my family mm-hmm. because that's a foundation. That's something that's never wavered. We're, we very much stick together. We're solid. And when you think back to what any person refers to things that have been shaky, you never go back to shaky ground and, and depend on that as support. You go to what's solid. And that's been my family. But then on the flip side, there was no culture of family on the other end. And that was unbeknownst to me. I didn't know that because you don't fall in love knowing thinking, everything. You don't know everything. You have to experience mm-hmm. it. And it, it, a lot of it was this is how I envisioned. And then you get into the reality of, oh, wait, so <laughs> your family don't ride with you when it comes, you know what I mean? Right. Like, wait, like, I mean, I'm, I'm delivering my daughter and I have my four-year-old, almost five-year-old at the house. And I'm like, send them to your family. Like I'm about to deliver a baby. We don't got time to babysit. We like having to pay a babysitter right. to go in labor Wait, what? Uh, like, right. <laughs> that's interesting. It was, I mean, culture shock was a real word for me on right. the flip side, you know? And at this point, I thought I knew enough people in life, regardless of the the, the race or and I thought I knew enough people to know humanity, to sure. know certain, you know, just certain things you shouldn't have to ask for. And I did. I found myself having to ask mm-hmm. for those things. And it was uncomfortable because now I'm in Green Bay. Now I'm away from everything I know. So a lot of it was, and I'm, I feel like to this day, it's a very, um, exception to the rule, right? There like are you in general, just me, just this, this, the way you were raised, the yes. package of you and the package how, of me right. and the life that I now have here. It's very exceptional. It is very, it's very exceptional. exceptional. So, um, a lot of those things you don't learn until you're in it, right? Mm-hmm. So it became even more important for me. Hence why this conversation is kind of important. Yeah. Because when people really unpack what we're talking about yeah. and realize like you are as black of a woman as a black woman can be. Mm-hmm. Now they listen to you speak, listen to your upbringing, listen to your profession, listen to how you raise the household, yeah. uh, creating that culture in your household, making men. Mm-hmm. Let's let's not let's get to that part where you made men yeah. in your household, even though there was kind of a, a man that was really stepping up as that domineering force. You still created some good men. Yeah, those men shake hands really well. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. There's it's cultural awareness. Like you have to mm. be aware of not just your own culture, but the culture of those around you. So some of these things that I understood wasn't just from my culture, like Mm -hmm. a lot of like Spanish culture. Um, You can't walk into a room with an elder 
and not greet them without saying hello and a kiss. Like if they're if you know them, you have to come and kiss them on the cheek. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And it's just that sign of respect. And I love that. I appreciated that. Right. So you, you brought that to your home. I did. And Dope. it's not even my culture, but it's Dope. certain things, just p- pieces of culture that I've learned from all cultures, right? That I thought was important for my kids to learn. That is cool. And white culture was a part of that. Sure. So it wasn't excluding or back and forth because I embraced that. Like I'm, I'm the, I was the, I'm the mom that. You're a multicultural mom. I'm a multicultural mom. Like I love, I make corned beef and hash for St. Patrick's Day. Like, you know what I mean? Like, And and good. And amazing. (laughs) Amazing. But because I understand, regardless of where you come from, my husband is from Sweden. So Mm -hmm. I have done my best over the years to perfect a Swedish meatball. So my kids can know that just as much of this African food is part of you, this Swedish meatball is a part of you. Now that is cool AF. Like, for real, for real. Um, That is... See, and that, that's the difference between a, a, a woman and a mother, right? Or a woman and a wife. Mm-hmm. You know, like a man can be with a woman, but you know you have a wife when she does something like that, yeah. right? Like when she says, okay, my man is, let me learn this so yeah. I can teach this mm-hmm. to our offspring. That's huge. Yeah. So now you have... You know, the kids are a teenage mm-hmm. and now you have that experience of putting them through seventh and eighth grade where it was tough for us. Yeah. Have have you noticed some cultural challenges? Did they did they come home like, mom, why this mom? Why that? Or you was always, it pretty smooth sailing? You always have to have certain conversations, as you know, like you mentioned, being biracial, knowing you're black, still for the black community being fair skin and maybe not getting the acknowledgement that you should being that you are still half black. And then on the white side, getting that as well. I wanted my kids to have that same appreciation for both cultures. So I, I was proud of my African culture. I was very much ingrained in the black culture at this time as an adult. And I, I love it. Um, but I've never closed off white culture because that's still a part of my upbringing true it was still a part fortunate of my for them. upbringing fortunate for yeah. fortunate for the kids yeah like, so that's it, huge so one of my sons during his middle school time he wanted to be a rapper you know every kid goes to the sure. he wanted to be a rapper he had his little rap name mm-hmm. and he you know <laughs> spent money got him mm-hmm. a little speaker and microphone and I support it. I mean, at that time I'm looking at him like, boy, if you don't keep your day job, but you know, he, even now he's a lot better, but sure. he embraced more of his black identity. Mm. Right. Um, very much comfortable with his white identity, but it was, I could see it as a mother, what identity he was choosing to identify with. Right. Whereas my daughter, who in my opinion, I spend the most time with. So Almost unconsciously, I just thought she was going to, being that she's the only one of true African descent, sure, embrace that. But my baby is a rock star. What? She like I let you yeah, listen yeah. to a little bit of her guitar. She loves. She's ACDC, Metallica. Right. I'm listening to hip hop in the car, and she she rides with it. Sure. But it ha- let it be her choice. Right. She's playing Billie Eilish, and she's and it's almost like I understand when it comes to who you are as an identity, you mm-hmm. can't force a kid to be in, no matter how much you try you to understand enrich it. that. 
yeah. more than most because you're an educator mm-hmm. too. These kids are who they are. And I love that they're able to express themselves however they choose to. Without We're going to wrap this up, um, but without going too far off the subject, black woman raised with white folks in a nice area in, in were you in Henderson? I wasn't, I was near Henderson, East Las Vegas. Okay. So but, similar. Yeah. Not, not, not quite as uppity or well Henderson, to do. I mean, mm. my parents had a nice little house. In the okay. Cause I, Cause I know Henderson can get, <laughs> but Henderson is, Henderson is like the equivalent to saying Green Bay to De Pere, right? Okay. It's, oh, it's, okay. it's okay. a completely separate city. Okay. They have their own everything, but it's very close. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, but yeah, it's a different city. So I grew up east side Las Vegas during the 80s. It was extremely separated and more suburb, mm-hmm. right? Very multi- working class, though. Working sure. class suburb. Everyone there, the, I mean, not multi million dollar houses. There are those developed houses sure. now because of the view, but very much working class, but strong working class. Gotcha. Um, so grew up, all my neighbors were white. I had maybe an Asian, one black girl. In my neighborhood, no, I'm sorry, two black families in my neighborhood, a lot of Latinos, but predominantly white. Went to a predominantly white school, went to a predominantly white church. Graduated with a predominantly white class. Yes. Twice. Twice. But for Las Vegas, even though it was predominantly white, the exposure to multiculture was huge. So Mm. even within that, um, that we there was racism. There was definitely what I would say racism or classism or different different isms that mm-hmm. took place. But at the end of the day, it was all love. We knew like if there was something that happened, all the parents. It was very much community, right? Mm-hmm. I remember um, I did Pop Warner. I was a Pop Warner cheerleader. Oh, our next door neighbor was a doctor, chiropractor to be exact. I'm thinking I'm just going to Pop Warner because it's free for all. Not knowing this man is paying my mm-hmm. club fees for like four years. I remember one year just going to practice, like having my dad drop me off and they're like, you didn't, you didn't pay this year. And he had quit volunteering that year. And I just came to where practice had been every year, not knowing this man had been paying. No one ever, it was never right. an announced thing, but it was a community thing. He knew my family. He knew my mom had all these children and they were constantly working to make ends meet. And it was something that he thought was right to do. Cause I was playing with his kids. It was an altruism. It, it was, was his you. altruism. So I never understood, I guess, racism in that. From effect, a hateful standpoint. From a hateful standpoint until I experienced it. It wasn't because all the love and everything that I was shown was very much not even a white savior thing. It was just love and community. That's how mm-hmm. everyone took care of everyone. Um, but it wasn't until I was either from my peers because of what they were taught in their homes um, or once I experienced it truly in the real world, you know, being the first time I was called a nigger, it was kind of like a shot. Like, did you really just call? Like, it, it was almost you. You were trying to hurt me. Like, I didn't want to be hurt because I knew the intent. But then going back and thinking, but like, yo, you really right. You you really tried to tear me down using one word that you know the history. You know what I mean? You know mm-hmm. the history behind the intent. So. I can't say that racism doesn't exist because I'm I've experienced it right. as part of my life story at this even point. Even though you didn't birth it. Even though I didn't birth it, even though mm-hmm. my examples 
of what I know love to be had no color. Mm-hmm. You That's know? interesting. So, That's a good perspective. That's a good perspective. It, at the same time, I, I can't dismiss it. And I don't, I don't think we should necessarily dismiss it as it exists today. Mm-hmm. However, in order to get us to a point where we can grow past it or grow through it, um, deserves conversation. So from a person who I hold in high regard as far as being one of the only black teachers that I know in Green Bay, um, standing on it, bringing culture to the classroom, bringing culture home, allowing her multicultural children to pick who they want to be, be who they want to be, enjoy what they want to enjoy, love what they want to love, not putting any cultural boundaries or binds on them. Mm-hmm. I think you do a very, very good job at being who you are, not versus quote unquote what you are, if that makes sense. You know what I'm saying? So with that being said, I think it's important that you give the people one time, Mm -hmm. Liz, leave the people with what you think we need in every classroom across America. When I say classroom, I'm not talking about necessarily a school institution, but I'm talking about any place Mm -hmm. where somebody wants to gather and learn. What do we do? You raise multicultural. You have multicultural children. You raise multicultural children in your classrooms. And now in a multicultural podcast, we're giving out this message of the importance of multiculturalism or um, just agape love, right? What do our people need to know? What do our listeners need to know from a black woman? Now, y'all, I'm talking about this is <laughs> no like, pressure, like no pressure. <laughs> like this is a black woman who just told you she was raised in a multicultural environment where color didn't matter. She raised a household where color doesn't matter. It exists. But that's not how we're going to base our decisions in the classroom where you obviously got to teach equality and Mm -hmm. diversity and cultural differences and awareness, as you spoke before. Yeah. What do we need, Liz? What what would what would be the the antidote to racism if you if you can (sighs) diagnose that's a heavy, heavy. I know I put it on you. You're a black woman, and and and, and I know you carry a lot of weight already. And but I, I just value your opinion. And I think the yeah. world, and I think the world will um, oblige, because I know it's going to be powerful. <laughs> so, from my very limited, because <laughs> you gave me a lot. Like it really isn't all that, but um, from my limited experience. What has worked for my students, what has worked for me, what has worked for my children is, of course, tolerance, acceptance, mm. but representation. That's a Representation. Um, if all we see of a particular culture, because I have to say particular culture because there's beauty in so many cultures, but we're not taught. All the cultures. We're only taught certain pieces and aspects. And I didn't understand 
who I was and my culture. When I say black culture, black culture here in America, we weren't taught about the greats, the scientists, the doctors, the explorers, the, 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 the trendsetters or the pioneers, the trailblazers, that was research I had to do on my own as an adult, as a young person. I wasn't taught that from the beginning. All I knew, the representation that I was given was that we were once slaves and we're not slaves and we've been freed and, and we, we have opportunity now and we don't have to drink from separate water fountains. So we should be grateful. That was the representation I was given. And being that the representation of what I saw in my household, knowing that you come from a long line of chiefs and we're here from the, so it was very mixed ideologies from what I was given. And I could only imagine what it would be like for someone who didn't have that parent at home telling them you're great or teaching them how to be great. Mm -hmm. And on the flip side, if as black people, we don't have that representation. How do we expect from that same story, that same narrative that's being told any other culture to appreciate or value what we do bring to the table? And this can be extended to every other culture. Like I said, I love the Latino culture. I love everything about what they bring, what they stand for, because it reminds me so much of my own, but just culture in, gen in general, we don't teach that, right? Mm -hmm. We don't really give students the space to appreciate and know their own culture. We bring them in the classroom and we tell them you have to learn English. Why can't we teach in a, in a broad spectrum without elective other languages? Because if you go to other places around the world, it's very much almost a requirement to be multilingual, not because you're taking away from who you are and your heritage, but because it's an education. We value that Renaissance period mm -hmm. education and knowing everything about everything. Right. Um, so when it comes to racism, when it comes to stereotypes and it comes to breaking down these barriers that exist in today's society, we have to one operate in love. Mm -hmm. We have to have that open mindedness to know that what we understand, what we've experienced in life isn't the only solution and truly knowing everybody's history mm -hmm. and appreciating that history so that we can have a, a, a perspective as to why that's the that's basically cultural awareness that's what cultural awareness is being aware of other cultures outside of your own right and appreciating it and understanding it may be different but there's a beauty in it and this is why it is so to round it up cultural awareness and that's not it, it's it's talked about in education they're trying to add that inclusion in education, but there is no representation in that broad spectrum. And you're competing with mass media. You're competing with family and kids listen to TV, TikTok, what their parents say. So all of these seeds are being instilled in a young age and teachers are just one of the many facets of information. Mm -hmm. We can't do it all. So no. and your loads are so heavy. We're dealing with so many other things, mm -hmm. you know, that like, are important to the classroom. Like almost like 15 minutes of settling down a bunch of different personalities going wild before you can get to even crack and open the curriculum. And just curriculum. That's and what curriculum? Why is why are these curri who are, who are creating? Who are the people mm. in charge of the curriculum? Mm. That's right? a whole nother podcast. A whole nother it's a conversation yeah. though. So you have to understand the powers that be and what the true agenda is. Right. 
and, and playing your part in that agenda. Mm-hmm. So like you said, you're one person, you can't change the world by yourself, right? But you can be an example, a representation of what you feel the world needs. Yes. Priceless. Every day. Every day. That's a great way to wrap it up. I learned what not to be like okay. from my experience. Right. You learned what to be like from your experience. Mm-hmm. I, I And I am just glad to be able to have book and differences. Yeah. You know, you're a woman. I'm a man. You're, you're a, a, a black woman who was raised with her black family. Brothers, sisters, mom, dad. And can I just go on the record? Because I got to toot my family's horn. When I tell you... Everyone in my family is a success story. See what I'm saying? Every single, I'm a teacher and I'm like the on the totem, not to say I'm a low, but eldest brother, he's a pastor. Ugh. Second eldest brother, entrepreneur, mm. multi, multi-businessman, mm-hmm. third brother, um, PhD in mm. biomedical engineering, oh. works as a scientist for the FDA, like what? just doing his thing. Next brother. Whole attorney quit his firm to start a whole brokerage business. He's about money. Like he knows wow. numbers like crazy. My younger sister is the city. Let me hold on. Let me get her title right. She is the, ah, I always mess this up, but the city deputy, no, the deputy attorney of the city of Las Vegas. Oh, that sounds important. The She's the attorney of all the attorneys right. of the city who they, of Las Vegas. Can we talk to me? you for a minute? Can we have like And this is off of the back of two immigrants. African immigrants. Not even forty years ago. Did their thing and they raised their kids right. So when I think about how I decided to steer and rear my kids, my examples are prime. Oh man. So it had nothing to do with race. It was their formula worked. <laughs> their that's, formula worked. See so, again, again, the value you bring, like that's nuggets right there. The mindset your mom and dad had was victory, mm-hmm. and there was no other option. There was no victim. It was victory. Mm-hmm. When they came, they saw, they conquered, and now not one. Not two or three, all six. Wait, seven. Six, six, no, six. six. You six plus seven. five. Yes. All six children mm-hmm. in some form or fashion, in some multiple in fashions, lane. in their own lane, yeah. are at a pinnacle of success that a stereotype would have said wasn't attainable, mm-hmm. that American culture would have said wasn't attainable, or some American isms that we have would say it's highly unlikely that that would happen all in one cluster, mm-hmm. all in one family tree to have that many successful branches in it. Yeah. That's not likely here in America. Yeah. But that back to what we were, we talking, what we were talking about earlier, I truly believe the system and not to keep putting it on a system, but it's very much systemic. Because we didn't have that mentality of what the system had to offer. It's a machine. So it's producing the product that the creator is trying. So it's working. It's working. These systems are not broken. People are like, oh, the system is broken. No, the system is very intentional. It's just not working in your favor. It's not working in your favor. Because it wasn't designed for you, by you, or with you in mind. Exactly. 
Mm. And and the intelligence comes from identifying that, recognizing it and doing and going the opposite, either like you did, overcoming that mm-hmm. instead of using the system as a crutch and saying, because of the system, I cannot do this, this and this, mm-hmm. you know, the game. Figure out how you move accordingly on that chessboard. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And, and and that's it. And I, and I thank you so much, Liz. I, I do. And I look forward to having you back on the podcast. <laughs> Absolutely. Um, there's so much more that we can unwrap. Um, the, 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 let me, let's just end mixed in America (laughs) on the fact that your, your kids are successful your brothers and sisters are successful. Mm -hmm. Your mom and dad is successful. Your husband in his own right is successful. Mm -hmm. Um, you came from a victory mindset. You knew nothing else but victory. You knew nothing else but go get it. What we want, we go get. We work hard. Mm-hmm. We 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 go after it. Nobody tells us no. You've recently have, uh, accomplished some major personal goals, from what I understand. Absolutely. Congratulations thank on you. those. Thank you, thank um, you. So you truly have a victor mindset. Mm-hmm. And listening to your story, I think we have our nugget for the show. Yeah, it's just really. Don't go through life with a victim mindset. If you really want to win, if you really want to break odds or stereotypes or molds or um, just step outside of whatever border or boundary somebody put on you, you have to have a victory or a victor mindset. Yeah. I think that's it. I mean, one thing my brother says is tough times don't last, but tough people do. Mm. Life is not so black and white. And there is too much gray area not to talk about it. Thank you for listening. Look forward to having you back next time as we discuss truth, facts, and experience, exposing the gray areas and stereotypes behind America herself. (laughs) 